When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The 1980s were an amazing decade to be a kid, and a big part of that were the fantastical, iconic, and often, in hindsight, deeply traumatizing children's films released during the decade. Today's kids will never know the thrill of waiting months to finally see a film on VHS, only to be emotionally and spiritually wrecked when some horror befalls the hero or heroine within the first 20 minutes. That was the 80s! But we can talk about how those foundational film moments turned us into the completely normal and well-adjusted adults we all are now. Right? Right? So join us as the great pop culture debate tries to determine the best 1980s children's film of all time. My Truffle Shuffle brings all the boys to the yard. I'm your host, Eric Resniak. Please help me welcome my supersized panel for this episode. He survived the swamps of sadness to be with us today. It's Bob Erlenbach. Eric, you're sinking. Eric, fight against the sadness. Eric! <laughs> ah, there it is. My childhood trauma. Back, back, back again. Ah, don't feed him after mid night he has acid reflux please welcome to the podcast brennan hey eric i should tell you that i hate podcasts when i was nine my dad tried to surprise <laughs> me by dressing up as a podcast host and oh, so, so that was the smell from your chimney got it moving on moving on thanks brendan jim zadzik have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight that's funny. That's what I ask all of my prey. <laughs> oh, Jim, you're such a joker. And finally, she got fancy and put on her original head for today's podcast. It's Kate Reculia. You know, you're not beautiful, you understand, but you have a certain prettiness different from my other heads. I believe I'll lock you in the tower for a few years, and when you're old enough, I'll take it. You know, as an adult, I now have a greater appreciation for Mombi, whose head game is truly unparalleled. What a <laughs> icon. Uh, no complaints. No complaints. <laughs> So, uh, before we get into the debate, how does this work, we made a poll of dozens of notable films that released in American theaters between 1980 and 1989. We were broad in our interpretation of kids' film. Some were explicitly made for children. Others were films geared towards the whole family, but with kid-friendly tie-ins. More than 75 people took the poll. We tallied their votes, ranked their picks by popularity, and added them to a bracket. Now, we argue about it and insult each other, all for your amusement. Want to play along at home? You can head to greatpopculturedebate.com and go to poll and brackets. There you'll find the downloadable listener bracket for this and every episode of our little show. Do your picks match up with ours? Do you think we should phone home and get a clue? Let us know by dropping a comment on this episode at our website or by yelling at us on social media. And lastly, if you're curious about how we went from the top 32 down to the sweet 16, become a Patreon supporter of our podcast. Our Patreons at the $5 level or higher get exclusive access to the warm-ups part ones for each episode in which we work our way through all of the round one decisions. It's like a whole bonus episode for each topic and includes arguments you will not hear anywhere else and it's only one of our great patreon perks so consider supporting us on patreon today as an aside for this episode in particular
particular, I highly recommend you go and check out part one. It is, first of all, the debates are very intense, great arguments. And already, I think we've referenced four films in our intros that have already been knocked out. So um, I highly, highly recommend if you haven't usually listened to the part ones, this is one to do it. Also, because things changed so radically in part one than what I figured, the script for this one is really loose. So just kind of roll with it. Um, with that out of the way, let's make like Eddie Valiant and get on to the case of these debates. Speaking of Detective Valiant, first up, it's ultimate number one seed who framed Roger Rabbit up against four seed Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Jim, make like Judge Doom and make a ruling for Roger Rabbit. Bob, I turn to you to magnify the chances of Shrunk and I'm going to have Jim go first. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. Mm. <laughs> she was playing patty cake. Oh, Jessica, please tell me it's not true. <laughs> please tell me, Eddie, is that a rabbit in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? Uh, uh, it's such a, it's such a good film. I think the the film itself, it's such a, a brilliant world building. It's an introduction for uh, kids into the film noir genre and a style parody. Um, it's it's there's this excitement and of interconnected interconnected universes before that was just IP that happened all the time, and um, it, also it, I, I'd say an introduction to the concept of like pop culture Easter eggs, mm. uh, the, you know, mm-hmm. getting the references to this movie that you could watch it multiple times and not catch everything that's that's hidden in this film. Um, so I think that's like in terms of uh, development, I think that's a you know. A, all of us nerds loving all those things. Um, I think that that it it has that baked into there just by itself. Um, you know, is it a children's film? <laughs> no, uh, it's adult, adult themes. The book, I suppose, is even more explicit. Um, but it's an adult themes with cartoon jokes over deeper, darker elements. Um, you know, it, it perhaps a family film might 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 qualify. Um, also, the the cartoon era references. Um, people of that time were closer to Bob Haskins age in the film, like a Betty Boop and Looney Tunes and things like that back to the thirties and forties. Um, sorry, I'm arguing against the thing. that I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I'm saying to some extent, I'm saying I want to, I want to do a huge shout out to the Chip and Dale movie that just came out recently. Mm. Um, it's almost, uh, it's basically a modern day s- spiritual sequel to frame Roger Rabbit with all of those things. And, um, uh, maybe it maybe it's even more kid friendly than this film noir murder sexual innuendo filled Roger Rabbit, <laughs> but the uh, cartoon references are more up to date. They're from the eighties and nineties, you know, like thirty or forty years ago. Great world. But I was going to say, Jim, in the eighties, yeah. those references that you're critiquing for being too old were as equally as old as the Rescue Rangers are now, which is a total mind f. Like, let's just acknowledge that. But yeah, I need to be reminded that I am eighty percent dust. Uh huh. Yes. Yes. Someone pointed out the other day, Madonna was closer. Like Madonna's heyday was closer to the nineteen fifties than it was closer to now. Shut mm-hmm. your whore mouth. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Old. So I'm sorry, Jim. Go ahead. Um, no, I, I just I kind of bring all that up. I know it's a it's a half half argue, uh, argument <laughs> for it, but I, I think it is. It has all those uh, cart, you know, the cartoon, the world, the 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 idea that oh, what if all these all these cartoons I watched as a kid were all interconnected and lived in the same town, and that that's such a cool idea, right? Um, but but yeah, I also think as we said in part one, which everyone should check out. Um, a lot of it has to do like 
uh, with when you've seen it. So like, I think the new Chippendale movie will be that for my kids to some extent mm-hmm. more than Roger Rabbit will be for them. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, so we have two members of this panel who have kids, mm-hmm. Jim, Brendan, have either of your children, any of your children seen Roger Rabbit? No, that they have watched Chip and Dale. So I'm actually going to switch my vote to Chip and Dale Rescue Ranger. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Um, Bob, do you want to talk a little bit about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Yeah, I think everything that Jim just said about Roger Rabbit is true. And I think it is a fantastic movie. And I think that Roger Rabbit really took filmmaking and and the style that it was doing and with the animation and mixed with the live action, it took it to the next level. Disney's been doing that since the beginning of time, right? With Bedknobs and Broomsticks or Mary Poppins, they've merged those two things together. And and Who Framed did that, right? And it it did it to to the nth degree. And But I think to Jim's point, his own point of saying it's not really a children's movie, right? It is a great movie. And I think we all look fondly on it and have a really good, uh, like we really think highly of this film for those reasons. Um, and it, and it is that like, what if all of our cartoons live together in a world? Those are all really great and cool ideas. When I talk about honey, I shrunk the kids, it brings me into, as I talked about a lot in round one, please listen to, you know, round one <laughs> in, on Patreon. The rubric that I was looking at is it, it has those hallmarks of what a eighties kids film are, at least in, in the way that I'm looking at it and applying it to this, to this bracket. It, you know, it has, it has kids, first of all, live action kids, um, you know, children that we related to at the time, um, you know, being that age and seeing that film, they, something incredible happens to them, something that could never happen. And your mind is completely blown. Like, oh my God, what a cool invention. And, and to even be an inventor is, is super cool. Um, you know, and to see that they got shrunk and they go through all of these different adventures throughout their house, their lawn, whatever. Um, it's just, it's, it's really kind of that fun adventure and it has all of those kind of eighties kind of elements there. This was, I think honey, I shrunk the kids was coming towards the tail end of the eighties. So it started to bleed into some of the the nineties. So that might be a knock on it for this bracket perhaps, but to me, it's more the children's film and it more fits into some of the tropes and the things that we think of when we're talking about these types of movies for us as children in the eighties. So that's, that's where I am with honey. I shrunk the kids. Brandy Marie, you won this one. Uh, Torn, I, I actually really agree with that logic on Honey, I Shrunk the Kid. I, the kids. I think that it is the more kid-friendly film, without a doubt. That said, as a kid who saw Roger Rabbit as a kid, it stayed with me forever. I mean, I can say that that was my entryway to a, se- a sense of humor. That kind of, like, it was building off of, like, if the Muppets got me primed for subversive humor, this was a next level of it. And just, again, as uh, Jim, as you said, the concept of, like, oh, my God, there's this interconnected world where all of them playing, like, that was a sandbox I never wanted to stop playing in. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, just for me, it's like, who framed Roger Rabbit? I look at it as, like, something that made me want to do what I do today. So I'm going to go with Roger. Kate. I also have to go with Roger, even though absolutely Honey, I Shrunk the Kids has more of a child's point of view. Um, but Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a like a watermark, landmark, mm-hmm. water, mm-hmm. <laughs> landmark, watershed, watershed. yes, <laughs> <laughs> in film. And, you know, it came out kind of in the middle of the 80s. It was this huge um, Warner Brothers, Looney Tunes and Disney playing together. Right. Like that was mm-hmm. massive. And, and that's why Bugs Bunny and Mickey are always in the same scene together. Right. Because mm-hmm. they had to have the exact same amount of screen time. Mm hmm. 
So like as a as a representative of like the the, er, the baby corporate synergy of the 80s is now our entire media landscape like i feel like it's there but also as a kid this movie completely inflamed my brain it's darkness it's noirness it's sort of a history like alternate history like i just this movie completely opened up my brain to what kinds of stories were possible i freaking loved it um and when i killed your brother eddie <laughs> <laughs> sorry it's late i didn't mean to hurt you all <laughs> that's okay she did she she did mean that um uh, here's my thing you pointed out that it's it's very dark and subversive and there's a lot of adult themes in it but when i watched it as a kid i don't know like th- i didn't it get was accessible 90 like percent yeah. of that Super accessible. Oh, yeah, yeah no it doesn't scare you it's uh no it's very very accessible to you I mean, Judge Doom at the end is terrifying. Mm-hmm. And when he like, kills the shoe, the shoe. Oh, that's <laughs> that's the most traumatizing part there. Yeah, trauma is a yeah. core part of '80s children's cinema. Exactly. We have mm-hmm. this is something that you need to embrace right now as part of this episode. Like that is an actual rubric a lot of us are putting towards. this. like, did this film traumatize me in a very real, compelling way? Mm-hmm. And it did. But like, uh, I'm gonna actually liken it to The Simpsons, where like watching The Simpsons as a kid, there were a lot of jokes that I just didn't understand, but I still loved and watched The Simpsons as a kid. Then you go back and you watch those early seasons as an adult, and you're like, whoa! Like the Anne Rand school for tots like as a child i had no idea what that was referencing as an adult i was like oh that's really funny so i feel like roger rabbit does the same thing except it also has like the noir stuff i completely went over my head as a kid Mm -hmm. jessica rabbit i knew was sexy but like it didn't seem lascivious to me even though she is like a full-on pinup so yeah yeah it's it's arguably an adult film but it, it the humor i don't know how they pulled it off frankly it's a tightrope act it is. never felt filthy or really aggressive i don't know maybe i'm wrong there all that to say i'm voting for roger rabbit um <laughs> So sorry, Bob. That's uh, all right. I'm switching to Roger Rabbit. Are you really? <laughs> yeah, I was, just, I was just fighting for honey for fun. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Next up, it looks like Three Seed Raiders of the Lost Ark is getting flattened by the runaway boulder that is Seven Seed Flight of the Navigator. <laughs> Do any of our panelists want to make a last ditch effort to extend Indiana Jones's arc uh, of the Covenant? Uh, um, Yes. I'll jump in if nobody else will. Yeah, take it. Go yeah. on, take everything and I want again, you to. Is, oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, Raiders, it, it's Indiana Jones. I just, it, going back to, yes, Indiana Jones was very much not made for children. However, we all saw it as children and, at least for myself, wanted to be Indiana Jones. Like, that was just one of the most exciting playtime things as a kid. Like, this is a film that lived on in your brain long after, and not just because the face melting replayed every time you closed your eyes. It was just something. <laughs> that stayed with you for like this i don't know he's an iconic hero of the 80s to kids whether he should be or not um also again i'm also partially doing this i'll do it one more time in these brackets i I just don't have any real nostalgia or fondness for the other film i think i just probably did need to rewatch it once since that drive-in uh for fire the navigator but i'm still raiders so for those who did not listen to part uh, one, yes. this was a highly contentious debate between, and I want you to take a moment, if you're driving, pull off to the side of the road. Um, <laughs> it was Flight of the Navigator, a seven seed, up against E.T., a two seed. <laughs> and our panel voted overwhelmingly to advance Flight of the Navigator over E.T. I'll give yes. you a moment. 
Okay. So I actually do believe that there was good arguments for it. I think it was done in good faith. I think that there were really compelling reasons for it, mostly being the fact that the Flight of the Navigator is a children's film made specifically for children, not for family, not for parents. It is made for kids, whereas E.T. is an adult's nostalgic view of childhood. And I think that's such a great complex argument. To me, it's wild that it is currently poised to roll on to round three. But that being said, I don't think Raiders of the Lost Ark either deserves to be in the round three of a children's debate. And um, I I say this like, I think, you mean, you want to talk about nostalgia. Indiana Jones is a pulp nostalgic, right? The 80s was highly referential of the 50s. This is very much a 50s comic book character come to life. And even possibly earlier than that, going back to the pulp under the 20s, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, But in terms of being a kids film, I don't think creators really no. they had no. indiana jones toys which is why we left it on this bracket i swear to you that is the honest to god truth there were kids uh, yeah. toys there were cups movie, uh, movie tie-in novelization storybooks yeah. everything yeah, the action yeah exactly the whipping action which you know i, I wish i picked up more we could use that as an adult but uh no it's it, i i think it's fine being here but i think of the two i'm actually going to advance flight of the navigator everybody else is on flight of the navigator I am. Clients. And I like (laughs) literally watched Temple of Doom and which I think of all of the indie movies probably ironically is the one you could make the most argument for and that it contains a child's point of view because sure. Sure. Around. Sure. Yeah. it is the worst of them mm-hmm. yeah. I loved it as a child <laughs> like, and oh god I'll talk about sexual awakening Harrison Ford is so oh. in that movie mm-hmm. oh, oh my, my god. god it's absurd I don't know if he's ever looked hotter except in Working Girl and that's a totally I... different kind of hot it's um, peak hotness for Harrison Ford for but it is not a children's movie especially raiders i think um yeah yeah. it's probably the least of the three yeah yeah it is it is um but yeah flight of the navigator like meant a lot to me as a young person um it's a great movie and it's got like one of the earliest like uh what's that that effect the sort of like silver morphing effect yeah yeah yeah, for the for the um for the spaceship it's pretty great so, yes. And a young Sarah Jessica Parker just cutting mm-hmm. her teeth and acting. Stop taking yeah. my future round arguments away from me. <laughs> Sorry. Forget about that. It never happened. You never heard it. Uh, next, in a battle of more family film than kid films, it's mm-hmm. one seed Ghostbusters versus five seed Return of the Jedi. Kate, explain why there is no Dana, but there is success for Go- Ghostbusters. Not Ghostbusters. That's a completely different setup. Um, Bob, pick it for Wicked and the success of Jedi. I'm going to have Bob go first yeah i think picket for wicked is a really great segue into (laughs) into this argument because i think of these two films yes um you know i think return of the jedi and the star wars films in general they're they're geared towards children they're intended towards children we made some really terrific arguments in round one again this is probably the most i've ever referenced round one in any of our our (laughs) round two and three um, arguments before but going back and listening to that is really really interesting and compelling in my opinion when it comes to george lucas's vision for these films um, from one to six um you know of it was really intended for children and he Mm -hmm. wanted to entertain children we certainly embrace them and continue to carry them through um from nostalgia's sake and and they are bigger than life at this point and something completely different but return of the jedi absolutely is for kids you can't deny the the c3po and r2d2 the droids being for kids the ewoks are 
aggressively for children. Um, <laughs> you know, to be able so to cuddly. I had so many yeah, stuffed Ewoks. Yeah, mm -hmm. to be able to spawn the Ewoks caravan of courage in the Ewok movie, um, <laughs> available on Disney Plus. <laughs> they are so bad. They're so, so bad. So, so bad. fun to watch. Um, you know, they. You know, so they're very much for kids. The merchandise of these films. Um, I think there's some arguments for Ghostbusters. I'm not going to make them. That are some obviously have the merchandise and some of the other kind of um, parts of that franchise and things like that. But to talk about the staying power of this kids franchise for all of these years and still to be so revered and, and thought so fondly of um, by children, um, I don't know as though people are still showing Ghostbusters to their kids. Um, mm. You know, I you know at this point, um, I know I would, but <laughs> um, you, you know, so I think that's really for me. If you're going to split it between these two, Ghostbusters is just a little too mature for me. Yeah, mm -hmm. she sleeps above the covers, four feet above, above the, covers, the covers, but that doesn't get me there. So, so, and I mean, where do these stairs go? <laughs> they, they go up, but not, but not on this argument. <laughs> so I do want to pause before I go to Kate and ask the two parents on our panel, mm -hmm. have, either, have any of your children watched either Ghostbusters or... Return of the Jedi. Yeah. I have six-year-old twins. They have seen Return of the Jedi. They have not seen Ghostbusters. They are aware of the concept of Ghostbusters from toys and things like that. But basically, we've, I'm, we're have we choosing to keep it at that for now versus, mm -hmm. yeah, they've watched uh, all three original Star Wars films. I will say Return of the Jedi actually was the biggest extremes of they wanted no scene that had Jabba at all. Mm -hmm. but then they have rewatched the back half of Jedi like uh, probably like five times. Mm -hmm. Anything on Endor? Yeah, anything on Endor. And they're even fine with the Emperor fight because mm -hmm. it is, they're like, it gets to a happy ending. So they're fine with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And what about you, Jim? I'll say my kids are waiting to watch Kenobi. So like we've, we've watched all those star Wars, a uh, lot of it. And I am, I think you guys know I'm a huge fan of ghostbusters, but I'm still yep. waiting to show it to them. So mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. that's, that kind of says it there. Yeah. This is a very interesting. So I, Kate, I do want you to make your argument, but I think oh, this yes. is actually really relevant data. So just Kate, the floor is yours. Ghostbusters, what to say? It is not a children's movie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Is it one of the movies that absolutely defined my childhood? Other yeah. than what is my ultimate number one, honestly, it's that movie and Ghostbusters. Um, the quality of the film is the effects are tremendous. The music is great. It is one of the best New York movies, right? Like mm -hmm. it's old, dirty New York mm -hmm. filmed on location. It is comedy, high concept, lightning in a bottle. And I think that high concept thing, right, like was what was so appealing and accessible to kids talk about merchandising toys action figures figurines still the cartoon which is excellent ecto cooler which i don't know if i've ever even drunk oh my so god cool. it's delicious it's, yeah. it's so good <laughs> 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 i picked it up as an adult there's nothing wrong with it it's, nothing wrong with it's it. lime yeah. and, and tangerine sugar. i think mm -hmm. that's what those are the flavors mm -hmm. so boy is this movie's legacy convoluted uh which i think you could say actually makes it highly culturally relevant is it in fact the best 80s kids movie that represents the corrosive toxicity of nostalgia maybe mm. um, a lot of stuff doesn't hold up i understand why you're waiting to show it to your kids right like the epa is the bad guy um, <laughs> and i mean it unleashed a storm of misogynist bullshit right when the all ladies ghostbusters oh, came out God. it's like a mm -hmm. lightning rod you know yeah. um mm -hmm. and and like venkman god i love bill murray but like he is 
kind of a creep to Sigourney Weaver. He just yeah. is. And yeah, in the opening scene, he's kind of a creep. Again, yes. love the movie. He's hilarious in it, but yeah. Such a creep. Such <laughs> a creep. creep. Like, like in a way where you're like, that's not cool. Yeah. You rogue. That's not cool. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's it's such a good movie. And there's so much like weird, iconic, you know, goes her cooking the eggs on the counter in her kitchen, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. My relationship with this movie. So my rubric was like, is the, is there a child point of view? Is the point of view of the movie a child's point of view? Um, what is sort of the cultural legacy? Like, what is the quality of the film itself? Uh, what is my relationship? To it? I fucking love this movie. I remember my parents going on a date to see it and me being pissed that they left me behind. I had a sticker book. <laughs> with a freaking terror dog on the cover. I remember one time like watching it. So this was on the tape with Return to Oz, which was the mm. tape that I watched the most as a child. <laughs> I remember tabulating how many swears there were by character in Egon's <laughs> comparatively low profanity count because I was such a morally uptight child, validated my intense preference for him as a child. Hail Egon. It just, it informed so many of my own stories and daydreams as a, as a kid, right? Like that the world is creepy and mysterious, that there's something else beyond what we know. Um, I haven't seen Afterlife, but I am precisely its audience and I will probably love it and kind of mm-hmm. resent that it's pushing on my damn buttons Mm -hmm. but like ghostbusters was my childhood in a way that is not toxic ghostbusters was for me people but maybe not because i was a child (laughs) Mm -hmm. i will say i loved afterlife i thought it was really really charming yeah Yeah. i'm sure and the fact that it's egon's kid and it's a girl like i'm just gonna have feelings about that like i know yeah (laughs) okay can we we raise a glass to william atherton you know the 80s Uh, one of the best yes my name is peck <laughs> the, reason, the reason he's the enemy in that film is because he has no dick exactly it's true, sir. this man has no penis <laughs> all right so this is also in the whatever it is precinct or bleeding <laughs> <laughs> tell him about the twinkie uh, what so <laughs> yeah right we've got kate's very good argument very good argument we also have uh, a very good argument for Return of the Jedi, and I think we have very good data from our parents about, yeah, not ready for the kids for Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon, where are you on this one? Uh, so, yeah, between film designed by Man for Children versus film that came out just Dan Aykroyd's Coke Years and Fears on <laughs> the Supernatural, yeah, I'm go- I love Ghostbusters, I'm going Jedi. Okay. Jim. Same here. Same exact thing. I can just repeat what he said. Yeah. <laughs> so and, oh, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Kate. I was just going to say, I'll stick with Ghostbusters just because I love you, Egon. I love you, Harold mm-hmm. Ramis. Um, but yeah, definitely Return of the Jedi should move forward. Yeah, it's hard, <laughs> right? It's hard. Yeah. But also, mm-hmm. it sh- I feel like it moving forward represents Star Wars as like a cultural for yes, sure right yeah for sure mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it, it is the stand-in for i think all star wars but as mm-hmm. i said before i think jedi is the most kid-friendly of the three mm-hmm. original with the exception of jabba which is nightmare fuel for any age um <laughs> but yeah that's there you go and i do think that star wars was such an integral part of the 80s childhoods that like we didn't even like we weren't huge 80s kids like, we were huge 80s kids we weren't huge star wars figure collectors and we still somehow had luke's land speeder i don't know how that happened it just <laughs> happened yeah yeah you yeah to the you, suburbs you get it you, you just yeah exactly you hand it out um all right next up it's catch of the day versus no eating at night as three seed little mermaid <laughs> is currently leading over two seed gremlins brand cuddle with gizmo and sell us on gremlins i will go on 
Under the Sea with Ariel and the Little Mermaid. Brendan, go first. Um, okay, so first, full disclosure, uh, I am on the Gremlins payroll. I am making a Gremlins <laughs> show. I have been doing so for three years. Gizmo is my boss. Um, so first off, I ask you all to consider, do you want me to be fired by a Mogwai? So please weigh that. That my well-being and my family's food could depend on your vote. Um, but as I said in the Patreon, I really do feel like Gremlins, while being a uh, film for all ages or a family film, I think it actively was designed by Chris Columbus and Joe Dante to some degree as a kid's first horror movie. It is structured as starting and like the totally cute uh, kind of like, oh, kidding, adorable creature film and just gradually gets darker and gorier, but without ever losing kid point of view and kid friendly elements, whether it is uh, to repeat myself slightly from Patreon, you know, mom, mom kicking ass and it's the most horrifying sequence in the film, but it's mom kicking ass on your behalf or uh, going to the bar sequence, which I haven't mentioned yet, which is, you know, gremlins going wild, but they're going wild break dancing. And in my favorite gag, using puppets with each other, like they're just <laughs> utterly ridiculous still. So it's like, they're committing horrible acts that are terrifying, but they're also so funny and adorable. And going back to the parent argument, I've shown all but one scene, or actually, no, sorry, all but two scenes of Gremlins to my kids, and they love it. I will say I have censored the full carnage of the kitchen sequence, mm -hmm. and uh, for Santa secrecy related reasons, I've skipped <laughs> <laughs> You, you, let, you let them see an old lady flying through the window. Though. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Oh, okay. Again, as I said in the Patreon, it's okay because she was a dick. She <laughs> was. Holly Holiday. And <laughs> they had one of those electric chairs at our church when I used to mm -hmm. actually have a soul. And I would only think about, like, remember that time in Gremlins where that little bitch got thrown <laughs> through that window? Every time yeah. I saw it. Every yeah. I've ever seen it. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, so uh, excellent arguments. Um, and I love Gremlins. It's, it's, it's a touchstone for me. I was Gizmo was one of my, like, prized Halloween costumes had the plushies the whole deal but i think we have to weigh into the fact that like it's, it's a little mermaid which is like the reason disney didn't go bankrupt uh first yep. of all so you have to weigh that mm -hmm. cultural importance but it's funny uh, brendan said he like this movie never really resonated with him whereas mm -hmm. this resonated with me on a whole other level than any disney movie had before it mm -hmm. and i don't know i won't say after it but like because beauty and the beast gave me gaston but um this this i mean it's a great film. It's it's taking, you know, the old Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale, very much whitewashing it. But you have, I mean, Ariel's kind of a nothing burger of a, of a protagonist, mm -hmm. let's be honest. She's I mean, the first Disney princess with red hair. She is the first. first <laughs> she's also the first Disney princess to, like, her whole plot line is, I signed a contract, but I'm a rich little girl, so I can get out of it, and my daddy will take care of she it. She was a minor. She was a minor. <laughs> <laughs> she needed her father present to sign that contract. <laughs> the miners were in Snow White, not in Little Mermaid. No, I'm sorry. Um, oh, you're right. <laughs> but um, I, I think, if nothing else, my argument for Little Mermaid is amazing music, first of all. Incredible. And kids' films did have to have a good soundtrack. I, I think every uh, every single one still in this had an awesome soundtrack, or at least a great song involved in it. Mm -hmm. um, great music there. And it has an amazing, compelling villain in Ursula. Mm. I can't dismiss her. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. I've I already said she's amazing but like <laughs> if i'm gonna weigh the two which one is more important to the 80s overall as a, as a decade to kids i think i give it to the little mermaid her even though i adore gremlins bob yeah. where are you 
can I make a counter argument first? You can absolutely. Uh, one for Gremlins' uh, contribution to eighty soundtracks. Let us not forget. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Um, this is true and also i will go to for the parent thing my wife and i actively are not showing our kids little mermaid because the takeaway for children is Mm. horrible in that film the the morality of little mermaid is super fucked up from the entitled rich thing that was already mentioned to Mm -hmm. yeah totally give away all your free will and voice uh to try to catch a dude you just saw on a boat so versus i will say gremlins ultimately is about a bunch of white folks who realize they didn't respect another culture's rules and pay the fucking price. <laughs> or alternately, if the message is buy American. But I wow. think. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, like, that is a great point. But what is more 80s than morally bankrupt lessons for children in films? Specifically right? for girls. Right. Specifically you, you for girls. girls. You have me there. I won't yeah. argue. <laughs> yeah. All right, um, sorry, go on. No, you're good. These are, these are excellent back and forth. This is exactly. Exactly what we're here to do on the great pop culture debate. Bob, where are you on this one? So I, and I, I don't know if Jim's going to say this or not, but I'm, I'm taking it. I recently was able to watch Gremlins with his children. Um, and we just made the argument previously about Ghostbusters and not showing that yet. Um, and we did watch Gremlins and they did, there were some intense parts and, and things like that. But, but, you know, th- thinking about Bren, Brendan's argument in, in round one and, and just now too, like there was the parts of that movie where they giggled and they thought it was funny and it brought it back down to their level. Um, and I saw that happening. Um, when we talk about merch and toys, you've got the gizmos, you've got the toys with gremlins and, and all of those pieces. I'm sure that the little mermaid has toys and I'm sure that we're marketed to a very specific population of the country um, and not the other population of the country. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure that the toys have that much re- resonance in this argument when it comes to the little mermaid. I love the little mermaid. Everything you said about it is true. You know that I'm a Disney Stan um, from beginning to end, um, even though that they're evil at times. Right. Sure. Um, <laughs> You know, I love it. It is the tail end of the 80s. I know it's still within the 80s, but it's 89. And I'm going to guess, I haven't looked back on it. I bet you it's the end or towards the end, maybe even like November, December Mm -hmm. of 89. So it's practically 90s. Sure. Um, You know, I think November 89. Yep. I, I talked about this a lot in round one and it came down to like animation almost gets a pass in my mind a little mm-hmm. bit. It's just like, yes, it's for kids. Obviously it's an animated, it's an animated film. There are adult animated films, but they're not like this. Right. And there's so much more of it, um, from a critical mass of, 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 of animation. Right. Um, so I, I don't lean towards the animations for these cause I'm really going back to that kind of eighties children film and those pieces that really resonate with me with, with regards to what, defined those for me and I, I talked about this previously as well like there's that shaggy filmmaking quality to some of these films from the mm-hmm. 80s that feel kind of you know under the radar and like i can't believe i'm watching this and that's kind mm-hmm. of the gremlins feel right it's a little bit grittier and dirtier and it's like should i be watching this maybe i shouldn't be right <laughs> but i am because i'm a kid and i do things right mm-hmm. um, <laughs> everybody watches little mermaid and why wouldn't you um mm-hmm. so uh, that's where i am with i'm with gremlins you're with gremlins okay jim mm-hmm. I think a lot of good arguments have been made for Gremlins, um, but I, I can't deny that the, the Little Mermaid um, really brought Disney into this new era. Um, it, 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 that idea, bringing back, uh, they hadn't done a, a fairy tale story since Sleeping Beauty in 1959. Is that true? Yeah. And they had, oh, wow. and then, 
and then it followed with Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, Hercules, Mulan, mm-hmm. um, all s- kind of s- setting the form, the, the mold mm-hmm. of that that Renaissance era of Disney. Um, and so, I, I, while I, I, as I said earlier um, in the other the other part, it, it may not resonate with me per myself as much as Gremlins does, but I'm voting for the listeners. So uh, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go <laughs> go with a uh, with um, Little Mermaid. Very magnanimous of you, Jim. Kate, I get to be the tiebreaker. You're the tiebreaker. Oh my God, stunning! I don't know someone. I'm gonna go with Gremlins. Ooh, I love it. I love it. So here's my rationale. Um, 80s. Little Mermaid is only 80s on a technicality. It isn't even representative of what Disney was doing in the 80s. In fact, Mm -hmm. it is the Mm -hmm. opposite of what Disney was in the eighties, right? Like Don Bluth was animation in the eighties, which is why he's all over this bracket. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and gremlins as that like weird is for kids. Like your arguments are so good, Brendan, like gremlins. I didn't Mm -hmm. see gremlins until later. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I, I love horror movies, but I don't think I would have been ready for like baby's first horror movie for me really was like scream. (laughs) <laughs> that was that was when I was like ready for like a real actual horror movie. Although I was just say, Return to Oz in the Patreon. I, think, I feel yeah. like I was gonna uh, say like qualifies. that also is Baby's first horror movie as yeah. is Temple of Dune. Um, Dune. Yeah, yeah. So, but like I like that kind of chaotic horror. Like I didn't like the chaotic horror of Beetlejuice either. Um, mm-hmm. But it is '80s. That is the mm-hmm. '80s vibe, right? Like, and mm-hmm. it is puppets, and it is a cartoon, and it is for kids, and it is also effing terrifying, which is what an '80s children film needs to do. <laughs> yep, it's a great yep. point. Great yep. point. So, Gremlins advances, and actually, it was a higher seed than Little Mermaid. Just FYI. Uh, Eric, next, Eric, do, you, do you mind if what? I um, say goodbye to Little Mermaid in song? Please. <gasps> you know, maybe there's something the matter with me. I, I just don't see how a world that makes such wonderful things like Little Mermaid could be bad. <laughs> Look at this film. Isn't it neat? Without it, no Disney film is complete. Action is complete. Even if you were the girl, the girl who had every children's film, this film is a trove of treasures untold. How many wonders does this film hold? Watching it again, you think the film's got everything. It's got music and comedy aplenty. It's got wholesome Disney-ness galore. You want thingamabobs? It's got plenty. And by thingamabobs, I mean elements that set the standard for a new age of Disney films that oh. became instant classics. No big he deal. Went there. <laughs> this film is where the people are. You get to see them. You get to see them gotcha. dancing. <laughs> They're walking around on those. What do you call them? Oh, feet. <laughs> Every kid wished they could be part of that world. You did it, Jim. That you did brought it. the receipts on that one. He did. He did. <laughs> I was going to make a thing about Bob's joke saying we have one thing about Bob. He's on the panel, but he didn't vote for the world. So, all right, we are moving on. Gremlins. Thank you for that serenade, Jim. Very well done. Next up four seed Muppets take Manhattan seems poised to call pest control on Disney's great mouse detective and eight seed has a new piece of evidence spun this case in an entirely new direction for anyone. Is anyone going to switch their vote or do I have I'm a gonna switch my go vote ahead. to Muppets take Manhattan? Cause I've okay. had voted for Willow in the first. So I'm happy to go Matt Muppets. All right. Uh, I, I, I'm also going Muppets. Jim? Muppets. Muppets. Bob? 
All right, then it's unanimous. We, um, I do think that Kate made a great point that actually the great mouse detective, Oliver and Company, the rescuers down under. I think those are all the other and Fox and the Hound. Black Cauldron, Black Cauldron, Black Cauldron, Black Cauldron. Yep. are actually more. Toaster. Yeah, are more reflective of the Disney '80s output than. I would say that Little Mermaid is. Yep. It's not great, but I think actually if we look back on it now, you can see like it was actually a really interesting time for their animation. It just wasn't popular. So yeah. And yeah, just, I, I love The Great Mouse Detective is a great movie. And it's yeah, a kid's movie. Absolutely. Yep. It's worth watching. Yep. There you go. So check it out on Disney Plus and Black Cauldron. Uh next in a battle of 80s kid, kids movie juggernauts, it's two seed Goonies versus three seed Labyrinth. God help us. Bob, <laughs> explain why you're the babe with the power for Labyrinth. Kate, make like Steph and babysit us without getting paid and steer us towards Goonies. Um, Bob, I'm going to have you go first. And I will say before we start in this, this could easily be a final two matchup for this entire episode. I mean, it actually should be. Yeah. Yeah. It's just here we are. Bob, what do you got? Yeah, the labyrinth. You know, I'm probably pushing a very heavy rock up a hill um, in this matchup um, with the crowd that I'm with. Um, but with, when it comes to the labyrinth, there are elements of the labyrinth that I, yeah, I, let me say, I just love both of these films a ton. Like they're very much part of my eighties. You are 100% correct. And Eric and saying that they should be final two. Um, where I edged out labyrinth in this matchup at this time was just, I, I felt as though it kind of introduced some, um, you know, some fantasy elements to, to the audience, to the kids. Um, it, you know, was able to introduce David Bowie with a, an amazing soundtrack. Mm -hmm. um, I, Goonies has a great song in it, but from a soundtrack perspective, I don't think it holds up the same as it would in Labyrinth. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there's some more kind of um, 80s, 80s pieces with regards to that. Um, you know, it's, again, I don't know as though I have a ton to say because I could probably argue both sides of the fence on this one. Um, to me, I think it really kind of, did some things that were really interesting with live action and puppets. I think it's a, a really good blending of those two, um, those two things. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's really where I am with labyrinth right now. And you know, I, that's where I'll leave it. I'll let, I'll let Kate fly at this point. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say before Kate gets in, like when you're talking about the artistry of filmmaking, mm -hmm. it's really hard to find mm -hmm. any fault in labyrinth, like yes. across the board. It yes. is a it magnum is opus. Yeah. Um, but that being said, if we're talking about best eighties children's film, mm. Kate Goonies. I mean, I, I, so I haven't prepared anything. I'm just speaking off the cuff, but like, it, it's impossible for me to even kind of understand what my childhood movie going would have been if it, if not for the Goonies. Like this movie, immediately accessible to children, even mm -hmm. though the kids, I think it came out in 85. So I probably saw it 86 maybe on video. Um, and the kids were all like, I would guess they were like 12, 13, right? Like they're around that age. Sure. Um, but they're accessible and they're having a kid sized adventure and they're saving their family from foreclosure by going on a pirate, like a treasure hunt to find a pirate's treasure. Like, right. What is more kind of like kid adventure than that? But it is very eighties. There's like the weird element of the Fratellis is this like, <laughs> creepy family trying to trying to hunt the kids down they're setting credit i'm just like spitballing now because there's this scene of like chunk to they're they're torturing chunk by like trying to stick his hand in the oh my God. which yeah. is like such a like 
in a kids movie yes it yes. was the 80s yeah. and it's an absolutely incredible scene and if you want me to do the entire monologue yes. <laughs> you know, talk, uh, I, I glued my uncle's toupee on my place to play Moses in my Hebrew school play like it's just push my sister down the stairs yes, trying to like this kid yeah. <laughs> it's so it's so clever the screenplay is so great the actors the, the child actors are fantastic yeah. mm-hmm. you know you kind of have to see this as a kid because I remember showing it to friends in college and they're like when were these children stop screaming and i'm like that's the point <laughs> like, it is a movie that is immediately accessible for kids but like mm-hmm. is directed by uh richard donner from a screenplay by chris columbus which i have read and is which is not as good as the actual movie mm-hmm. richard donner made some good cuts Mm-hmm. it's much goofier the screenplay is much more comic and goofy uh based on a story by steven spielberg right all those that sort of triumvirate of like 80s filmmaking powerhouses um it's and it's a well-made t- movie too right the sets are incredible the pirate ship is unbelievable it's just it is when you like there's no other movie like this and i think there's a reason why they keep talking about rebooting it and it doesn't happen right because this is mm-hmm. just lightning in a bottle perfect 80s children's movie we are getting the quasi spinoff on disney plus series <laughs> what but it's, oh you're not yeah, aware of this it's not yeah but it's like more of it's a show about loving goonies than yeah. actually goonies oh, okay. yeah okay yeah. see so, that makes sense that makes yeah. sense <laughs> um uh, all right i i don't want to belabor the point because i have a feeling it's going to go on and we want to save some stuff for rounds three and four i'm switching my vote to goonies <laughs> <laughs> are you on this uh, I, I they i agree that these could both face off at the end if it were yeah. if it were laid out a different mm-hmm. way but yes goonies is the way i'm going brendan uh i love labyrinth but i think i am going to ultimately go goonies as well although mm-hmm. i want to call out labyrinth for also having uh being a wonderful sexual awakening for any and all with both jennifer Connolly and david bowie and yes <laughs> yes Indeed. And I will not tell the story that I've told on this podcast multiple times about my niece's uh, yes. David Bowie oh, yeah. experience. But um, I will just say that um, it, this actually pains me because yeah. I like of all the movies we watched as kids, like Labyrinth and Goonies, I feel like are like two of the mm-hmm. ones we watched the most. Mm-hmm. And um, Kate made such an interesting point. Like you did need to see Goonies when you were a, when kid, you were a kid. Otherwise, oh, it doesn't 100%. work at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like anyone could watch Go- uh, Labyrinth now regardless regardless of age and appreciate the, yes. this yeah. is a beautiful movie yep. with amazing music. It's a great fairy tale. Like it's an mm-hmm. original fairy tale that's executed really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, the special effects in it and the practical effects in it are incredible. Um, so I actually think it's more accessible, but I think ultimately that is why to wrap it back around Goonies has to win here because you had to see it when you were an mm-hmm. 80s yeah. kid. Yeah. Otherwise it doesn't work. So I think we are unanimous, even though it pains me to move uh, Goonies forward. Well, it doesn't pain me to move Goonies forward. It pains me to lose Labyrinth. Um, next up, it's one seed never ending story versus four seed great Muppet caper. I want to go around before we start talking about this. Is anyone voting for great Muppet caper over never ending story here? Not anymore. Now that uh, I'll, I want to back a Muppet movie through this. So I'm happy to back uh, the Manhattan. Uh, Muppet. Yeah. Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh Kate? Nope. I'm I am full on never ending story. Yeah, same. Jim. Same thing. I'm happy to see a Muppet movie move forward, so we don't need to. Yep. Bob. 
Hmm, let me think about this for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to push forward the never-ending story. Yeah, and again, <laughs> with if you smile on my with a big smile on my face, <laughs> if you didn't listen to part one, the never-ending story was going to go out in round one, kids. And I got all up in Kate's business. I stepped to her, and no, I, 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 I he, I'm you kidding. Made some compelling arguments. Yes, and it was about tra- no, you should you should listen to round one and watch Return to Oz. It's a goddamn masterpiece. Yes, because exactly. yes. it, it was up against gorgeous. Return to Oz, which is an amazing film but the never-ending story is for 80s children so we're going to advance that and finally in round two six seed the land before time versus seven seed the secret of nim it's a don bluth off um Mm -hmm. brendan do you want to talk a little bit about land before time the kind of jurassic park before it was jurassic park but from the dinosaurs perspective and i'm gonna I'll, i'll talk a little bit about secret of nim go for it bren um, yeah, Lamp- I think both, honestly, I, I just want to see Bluth really represented here. Yeah. I do give, I think Secret of Nim was more influential. It was first. I think Lamp Before Time was better. Um, I mean, I think actually the Knocked Out in Patreon American Tale was probably the, his best. Yeah. But I do think Lamp Before Time, it was a di- even if you grew up loving dinosaurs, and I mean, there weren't as many dinosaur movies back in the 80s, but you read all the books, all that, this was not a dinosaur tale you had seen before. The Not just the fact that it was like from the perspective of kid dinosaurs, which as an 80s kid was like an instantly relatable position, but it was also like at the end of the dinosaur run, like it was a really dark, scary, because you could have done the fun, like, hey, this is just dinosaurs being dinosaurs. It's like, no, we are putting you into the toughest times for dinosaurs from a kid who, you know, it's like, let's start by having his mom die and then almost kill all of his friends repeatedly for the next 80 minutes. <laughs> so it is a fucking tough Luth watch. Exactly. <laughs> but it is another one that I think, I forget which part I said this in, I think it was in the Patreon, where it's like one of the great things of these 80s movies was it takes a kid slightly to the edge of what they're comfortable with and then when you do come out on the other side you actually feel a little stronger like hey i made it through that too and lamp before time is when i actively remember that from because i remember seeing it for a friend's birthday uh when i was probably about like nine or ten years old and it was that like we were all a little shook but like get eating pizza afterwards it was all like can you believe they did all that like we all were like kind of like as if it happened to us kind of thing so i, I vote for lamp before time plus again it spun off 13 sequels, which, you know, kudos to anything that can do that. Yeah, seriously. More um, friends dying. <laughs> I don't think any of them ever died. I think they were all, they were all fine. They're fine. They're great. Yeah. They're well, amazing. They're dinosaurs, Eric. They I all know. died. <laughs> they did. And now they're powering my car. So I thanks. Say, I wouldn't be surprised if like sequel number 12 was they all came to present day. Like nobody yeah, right? knows <laughs> And BD Wong is there. <laughs> um, I actually don't have a complaint compelling argument for secret of nim after that uh, to me like what i was thinking when you were talking brendan was that like for all of the things the secret of nim did amazing it's a very audacious film it's mm-hmm. it's very daring it's very subversive in a lot of ways um lamp before time has this tremendous heart to it and it like i think it speaks to kids more than secret of nim did which almost spoke to parents more mm-hmm. if i'm it, i feel like as a kid secret of nim was kind of hard to follow and i remember watching it as a kid i thought mm-hmm. it was really beautiful um um, but I didn't fully understand what was happening. Whereas in Land Before Time, like you get it because it's pretty simple. Like these kids are up the creek and they're just trying to survive. And I guess I'm switching my vote to Land Before Time. I may have always been there, but I'm definitely Land Before Time now. Kate, where are you? Um, I got to stick with Nim because it's the one that I, I like. I saw Land Before Time, and I do think it is technically like it's a, a more advanced achievement. Like. I, 
considering there are only six years and um, an mm. Amer- American tale between those, like, wow. Um, but Nim, Nim means a lot to me. I really love that movie. So I'm sticking with it. Jim, Nim. Oh, <laughs> uh, land before time for me. And Bob. Uh, land before time. And you're so passionate about this argument. I really appreciate you <laughs> taking the time to have succeeded. Um, takes, low stakes. The stakes could not be lower. The stakes <laughs> could not be lower. They're on the floor. And that yes. is the end of round two. We are going to take a quick break and wish our annoying little brothers into the clutches of the Goblin King. We will be right back after these messages. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And we're back for round three of our best 80s children's film debate. While we were gone, Kate sold her voice to a sea witch, but now she has legs, so totally worth it. Remember, Kate, don't underestimate the importance of body language. Ah! Sorry, that was a terrible <laughs> Ursula impression, but here we I'm are. Like, I, would, I would say something, but how do I How do I have no voice on a podcast? I know, I know. It doesn't actually work, but I wrote this script at like one o'clock in the morning, so we're just going with Go, it. And you got to say body language. I did. You're a mute, you're a mute dear. <laughs> Try not to speak. <laughs> uh, before we get into the Elite Eight matchups, I want to ask my panel, how can people find you on social media? Bob, take it away. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at DisNerdBob. So that shows you exactly how intense he was that he voted against a Disney movie for this yeah. one. Um, and Brandon, how can people find you? I am on Twitter at B underscore Hay, H-A-Y. Cool. Great. And you also have a very specific connection to the 80s films. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah, I think I alluded to this already, but um, I am one of the executive producers of the upcoming uh, animated series for HBO Max, Gremlins Secrets of the Bogwai. Uh, so, yeah, I've been living and rewatching and rewatching and rewatching uh, my pick for the overall winner of this bracket, <laughs> uh, Gremlins, uh, yeah, over and over for the last few years. But um, I'm really, really excited for everybody to get to see it uh, starting, yeah, hopefully uh, in 2023. And you have some other shows that people can check out now, though, right? Yes. If you also want to get a sense of what I think is appropriate for your children. Uh, I have also in the past uh, run two cartoons that are currently streaming on Netflix, uh, Harvey Girls Forever and Dawn of the Croods. Uh, Yeah, both all available, a whole bunch of stuff, uh, super funny stuff, probably like ages six to seven and up. Perfect. And you do not want me to tell you what I think is appropriate for your children. So we're going to move on to Jim. How can people find you? On Twitter, uh, at JCZAD. Great. And Kate? Uh, I am occasionally on Twitter at Kate Kulia, but you can also find pictures of my cats on Instagram at Gomez Rack. <laughs> Excellent. And you can find me at Eric Resniak on Twitter and Instagram. That's E-R-I-C-R-E-Z as in zebra, S as in snake, N as in Nancy, Y-A-K. Or you can just message at Great Pop Culture Debate on Insta or at Culture underscore Debate on Twitter. Now, with that out of the way, let's move on to round three before Mama Fratelli follows those size fives. Uh, our Elite Eight... 
is as follows who framed roger rabbit versus flight of the navigator return of the jedi versus gremlins muppets take manhattan versus goonies never-ending story versus land before time i think that's a great elite eight um yep. i'm, I'm mm-hmm. very pleased with how this shook out i think all of those are movies that were quintessential to children in the 1980s truthfully um with that being said i want to get into this first matchup who framed roger rabbit versus flight of the navigator i'm going to go around the horn i want you to give me your vote i'm going to start with bob flight of the navigator brendan who framed roger rabbit jim flight of the navigator kate who framed Roger Rabbit? Oh. It's Roger Rabbit, kids. Like you have had a great run. You have had a great run for a seven seed to make it to Elite Eight. You should be very pleased with yourself. I'm sure Derek Makita is listening to this. Shout out to Derek, who was very upset he could not be here to argue on behalf of Flight of the Navigator. Bobby did him proud. It's okay if you if you if you don't want a, a, a true '80s kids film in the Final Four. I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> so that worked out great. It was funny. I, I was blown away that others had a fondness for this film like mm-hmm. i i'd mentioned this about um the the oz film too that it was kind of felt like this indie film that other people didn't know about or didn't yeah. like yep. and um i just kind of held a fondness it, it, we must have recorded off maybe hbo or was it on the wonderful did you have disney? the disney channel because both we of these were on the disney channel they, a lot. they did have that like saturday yeah. afternoon disney thing too or something yeah. too mm-hmm. yeah so like it was uh, like i didn't think it was in theaters i thought it was just a tv movie or something oh, and I- so I just and then Bob shared his fondness recently and other people on the discord too which you can join if you're a patreon sponsor correct um, and uh, I was like whoa other people like this and so I'm I'm happy that I went this far um it, it's it's worth it maybe it's one of the another one where it's it's better to see it in the 80s as a child mm-hmm. versus seeing it now mm-hmm. maybe the remake they're making will be uh will be uh, for this generation didn't even know they were remaking it yeah it's been on it. <laughs> It's been on again, off again. So this just in, we had ourselves what they call in the industry a technical difficulty. After recording this episode, a good chunk of the audio just poof, vanished, gone, can't find it anywhere. The leading suspicion is either gremlins were involved or the nothing came down from Fantasia and gobbled it all up. So everything from this point in the episode was recorded roughly a month and a half later from everything you've already heard. (laughs) And the panel is trying to reconstruct our arguments from the previous recording. Um, I'm so fascinated to see if we make the same decisions that we did back in July, now that we're in late August. Um, But it's the magic of podcasting, everyone. Um, Enjoy. Eric, what happens happens going forward if I I get so excited and oops, my bosoms come flying out? Do you think there are men on this podcast podcast who have not seen your bosoms uh, no. the, <laughs> um, but uh, and since that time the league of their own show has also come out so as you can see we're in a very highly nostalgic moment but it's been gonna, so long we've moved also, from the 80s to the 90s we can't even yes, help ourselves exactly and now we have to go back to the 80s so get in our delorean and there's yeah. something so so sort of like is it Sine- synecdoche? I don't know. It's it's like we are living the experience of what do I remember? Yeah. Do I remember it the way it really is, was? Or is my nostalgia yeah. coloring it? This is also what you get for hiring Nathan Fielder to edit our episodes. And there you go. But I was and like, if if you, you, go ahead, Bob. I was saying, and if you want to complain and, and, and go back, like we can't go back and right the wrong of the Who Framed Roger Rabbit pick from the first, <laughs> the first um, pairing of Roger I like to think that the original audio fell into dip. 
<laughs> exactly. Oh. It, it's all gone now. Judge Doom. But no, I, I was going to say it actually is very much like the Flight of the Navigator in that we've gone into the future now and nothing makes sense. But um, it's fine. <laughs> Everything's great. So we're just going to continue forward. And I hope that you all sit back and enjoy our next round three matchup. Uh, speaking of gremlins, it's two seed gremlins up against five seed Return of the Jedi. And we're going to go around mm. the horn. I'm going to start. I have no idea who I left off with last time. So um, let's go alphabetically with Bren. Gremlins or Return of the Jedi? Uh, I love both. I, I have had the joy of indulging in my childhood as an adult and working on animated stuff for both. Um, weirdly enough, I'm going to say, I'm actually going to let my own kids help make this call um, and go Gremlins because my kids have actually had uh, been able to watch all of Gremlins minus two scenes, granted, which I may have talked about in part one. Uh, I have jumped through, we jumped past Mom in the Kitchen and we jumped past Phoebe yep. Kate's uh, Santa monologue. But otherwise, yep. they actually really loved it, found it funny, found Gizmo charming, cute, adorable, all of that. On the flip side, Almost the entire front half of Return of the Jedi was nightmare fuel for them. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go. And again, hard, hard love for Ewoks. Ewoks versus Mogwai is a very tough thing. This is my childhood was largely defined by wanting to snuggle both, but I'm going gremlins. And, and thank God I grew up to be a gay man who loves bears because I get to. You get uh, to. I, why choose? You live the dream. Uh, actually, where is that in like the gay animal chart? We have bears, we have otters, we have wolves. Where's Mogwai? Where's Ewok? Where's Where's that Ewok? Yeah. Are Wookiees tall bears? I don't know. We need to figure this out. That's, that's a whole different podcast. All right. So that's one for gremlins. Next, I think alphabetically, it's Bob. Actually, Bob should have gone first, but Bob, you go now. That's fine. I'm good. Um, so Return of, the, <laughs> Return of the Jedi versus Gremlins. What did I pick the first time around? God only knows. Who knows? God only knows. Um, but I was thinking about this as we were preparing to re-record here, right? Um, there's something about Gremlins. is in, There's that Gremlins. We've had Gremlins 2. We have the animated series that's going to come up. Return of the Jedi, the Star Wars thing, it just goes on and on and on and on. But there's something just encapsulating of Gremlins in the 80s that's quintessential 80s and and i think whereas the star wars films definitely had that that particular film had that it is part of a bigger thing that kind of isn't of the 80s altogether so i'm gonna go with gremlins because it really is more representative for me of the 80s yeah there's a timelessness mm -hmm. to the star yeah. wars universe whereas the gremlins mm -hmm. do seem firmly cemented in the 80s in my brain that's mm -hmm. an interesting point mm -hmm. uh jim well, I think that's that that is interesting, but also if we just think of Star Wars in that in that time, yes, it's had a bigger life now. Um, but so does, you know, I, I hope to see Gremlins, see this uh, wonderful new animated series coming too, <laughs> uh, for Gremlins. Um, it's, this is tough. I think of like through the lens of my own kids, they have eaten up all the Star Wars stuff, but they also really enjoyed Gremlins. Gremlins is an interesting introduction to the horror genre, which uh, as I think more about that, that's the only way my kids would have gotten into that kind of type of film. Um, but for me as a child, and this is terrible, I had Caravan of Courage on VHS or something. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I think I'm still, I'm going to go with that vote for Return of the Jedi just because of that for myself. But I like them both a lot. Yeah, there. Yeah. This is a great elite eight, by the way. I'm looking at it again today. I was like, oh, this is a really good one, Kate. I am. As a child, I had a, a full relationship with the Ewoks. Um, 
and Return of the Jedi in particular. I may have already mentioned this, but I had Star Wars sheets. Now you're getting it twice. What a weird <laughs> thing. Um, but I do think I liked your argument a lot, Bob, that the gremlins are there's something like in the spirit of the gremlins that is could have only happened in the 80s. So I'm giving it to them. Yeah, I can't remember what my original argument was. I am going with gremlins here. And I think part of it is that um, Return of the Jedi, first of all, it doesn't stand alone by itself at all. It, it's like is the whole star wars trilogy that's a different argument but that's also not fully 80s right that's 70s mm -hmm. and 80s um yeah as a standalone film between the two of them i'm not going to say gremlins is better but i do think it is as you point i think it yeah. is better <laughs> I, I love return of the jedi i don't like it as much as i like um empire but mm -hmm. i also think it's the most kid friendly. i think i made this argument when we did yeah. this originally yes. that return is the most kid friendly, most kid -friendly. um I'm still giving it to Gremlins, even though it is a quote unquote horror film, it is still super cute. And I do think it is a child palatable horror film. So for that reason, I'm giving it to Gremlins. Gremlins advances to the final four. Next up, Yay. it's four seed Muppets take Manhattan versus two seed the Goonies. We're going to go reverse alphabetical order. Kate, you go. Uh, Muppets and Goonies are two of my my um, rising and uh, signs, star signs. I don't know what yeah. I'm even saying. <laughs> um, but uh, my my Muppet movie is the original Muppet movie as my preferred one, and the Goonies is just like I can't. It's it's my movie. It's perfect. I love it. So that's a Goonies for you. That's a Goonies, uh, yes. Jim. I'm gonna take your argument from the just previously about like Goonies is distinctly 80s right yeah. um well the muppets yes there were some films there but also they they kind of fit throughout a lot of time um so i'm gonna go with goonies all right uh bren uh, basically the same exact argument. I, I love Muppets. I want to take a moment just to say there's maybe no cinematic image better than, um, rats skating on a hot grill on butter. Uh, that said it, yeah, Muppets falling back into that timelessness thing. Um, Goonies could only exist in the eighties. It is the ultimate version of the ultimate eighties genre. Kids on bikes. Goonies. Yep. yep. Absolutely. And Bob. Oh shit. What? <laughs> what is that that is a mess boys <laughs> clean it up oh shit that's my mom's favorite part <laughs> hey guys i'm going with goonies okay um i love the argument that 80s is the only time the goonies could happen and it's weird because today and i don't know why it's happening today but i've seen two articles today on reddit about how a goonies reboot is a terrible idea and it should never happen it's a terrible idea it shouldn't and, happen um i think that again it is it is so inextricably linked with that decade and it has kids from the 80s and it's a story for kids in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it has to advance over Muppets Take Manhattan. And I love Muppets Take Manhattan. I, I, I watched it. I didn't watch the whole thing, but parts of it leading up to this. And like Joan Rivers and Miss Piggy at the counter, like, <laughs> giving so her good. makeover. So you mentioned the rats on the griddle. And I think I've told the story before on the podcast about that scene making my brother violently ill at the drive-in. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's very like I, I have a lot of great memories of this film, but The Goonies is like now and forever my 80s mm -hmm. kids film. So mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, 
Never say, I say that. And Never we're about to get die. to another one of those that is not now forever. So unanimous for the Goonies into the final four. Speaking of now and forever 80s movies, one seed never ending story versus land before time. Going to start in the middle with Jim. Um, just a couple days ago, I mentioned to my brother that we were recording this and he was like, well, never ending story one, right? Like that was his response. Um, so I, I think I'll give it, I'll, I'll vote for that for his sake. Um, but they're both very, um, distinct memories of this time period. Uh, but the never ending story just goes on and on. It, uh, although the land before time also had 14 sequels. And so that also technically goes on and <laughs> on and on. That's true. It continues on. But that story has an end. We know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's a comet. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's go now to Brent. Where are you on this one? Um, yeah, no, I, I do. Again, pour one last time, one out for uh, Land Before Time, American Tale, all of those Don Bluth mm-hmm. films of the 80s. But Never Ending Story uh, traumatized an entire generation in a way that we will all never heal or fully move on. So, never-ending story. Also, uh, R.I.P. Wolfgang Peterson, who passed away in between since we last recorded. Yeah. Do we think it was the ghost of Wolfgang Peterson who stole the audio so we can Ooh. talk about it? Yes, I do now. Yeah. Um, R.I.P. Legend. Uh, Kate. Ah, never-ending story. Um, wait, what is this even Land up against? Full time. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. No shade, but I was just a little older when that mm-hmm. one came mm-hmm. out where um, I remember, I think I had one of the little like hand puppets from yep. the pizza oh, yeah. hut. I remember those. Oh, like, yeah. Little, yep. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, no never ending story is one of the movies that made me fall in love with mm-hmm. movies. And like, just even the opening, it's so European, right? It's so German. It looks totally <laughs> different and still looks incredible. Cause everything is practical. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Lamal song, like it, it is not cheese. It is just pure joy. and it is joy. I love it. Yeah. It's like um, if a rainbow was a song, it would be that Lamal song, yes. right? Turn around. Oh. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, Bob. Uh, anyway. Well, well, this is now officially the second podcast this season where we've referenced Pizza Hut Cinema Titans. <laughs> I look forward to the episode for Best Pizza Hut Cinema Titan. Honestly, that's we, what I'm saying. We need to do a Best Fast Food like, Tie-In Product. Seriously. Yeah. I can get you, Matt Singer. My very own Jolly. It shouldn't be any surprise to anyone on this podcast or listening at this point that I'm going to choose the never-ending story. <laughs> yeah and like nothing but respect for the land before time which yeah. is oh, yeah. um i don't remember if it's in the part that survived or not uh, <laughs> um that diana ross song mm. is just like it's still to this day i hear it and just weep openly weeping it's so were you still i forget when we i definitely sang that in chorus but it might have been when the two of you were in like the junior senior high school i might have sung it when i was in like we sang grade. it for my like sixth grade graduation so the sixth grade oh, graduation yeah. class was singing it my mother was playing the piano it was a very emotional <laughs> moment because it is like it's a brutal song it's beautiful i love it but song. it's emotionally wreckage right which what's more 80s than that but 
what's more 80s than that? The never ending story. That's what's more 80s than that. <laughs> that is like the encapsulation of the 80s in a film. I will say that between now and when we first recorded this, I actually had the misfortune of watching the never ending story too. Oh, um, oh no. Sorry. If you really want to appreciate the original never ending story, yeah. I recommend watching yeah. the never ending story too. All respect to Jonathan Brandis. He was not the problem there. But no. my God, no. what a piece of shit that movie is. The never ending story is a brilliant, beautifully told movie that is effective and um it's both filled with wonder and terror that's that's the 80s and it's and it's pitched for kids in a way that doesn't talk down to them which is what the problem with the never ending story too is like it's like i'm making a kids movie and the first one is just like i'm making a movie that is like a fairy tale and it and children can access it and feel it and understand it but i am not changing how i present things to them because they're children like yeah all that is true but i will say the other thing that we realized was like it was such a blatant cash grab and they could not care bother to care the plot makes no sense the characters actions make no sense nobody's doing anything and like the never-ending story has nonsensical elements don't get me wrong but that's part of the the story is like this is weird and, and none of it makes sense but like people do things in the second one that you're just like why would you do that like and like it is the second half of the book, which like goes off the rails a little bit. <laughs> like the first part of the book is just the story that gets Bastion to Fantasia, which I think is called Fantastica in the book. Um, and that's that's the first movie, but that is sort of a complete thought, right? And it, and it's sort of unfinishedness of what he does once he gets there. And then the second half of the book is like, oh, he gets there and he turns into a complete asshole, <laughs> <laughs> which is what happens in the second Less- movie, yeah. 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 But it's just, it's not, it's just less, it's not well done. That, that, if that was one of the first movies that made me fall in love with movies, that was one of the first sequels that I was like, Oh, Hollywood is a crock. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was so excited yes. to go see it. And I was like, this sucks. Yeah. It's true. If, same. Go ahead, Bob. You were going to say, if, if you, if you want to learn to appreciate the never ending story two, though, you should watch <laughs> the never ending story three starring that kid from free Willy. <laughs> so, <laughs> Wait, I don't think I even knew Seth existed. My God, oh, yeah. you just... But it was direct-to-video, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Direct, yeah. Direct-to-VHS. Yeah. <laughs> One last comment on Never Ending Story 2 is, like, you can encapsulate this, and actually, this could go either way for you. The original Bastion's dad was played by Major Dad, and yes. in the second movie, uh-huh. it's played by John Wesley Shipp, Dawson's Creeks, Dawson. Yeah, yeah. Yes. the Flash so, himself. Yes, Major the Daddy. Major Daddy. Which, <laughs> yeah, your mileage may vary. Both of them highly bangable. But all right. That being said, uh, that's our uh, no unanimous victory for Never Ending Story. Uh, before we get into the final four, we're going to take a quick break to visit Joan Rivers at the department store makeup counter. We will be right back after these. Messages. Messages. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 
We are back with our final four 80s children's films. Hey, has anyone seen my horse? I left him right near the swamps of sadness. Artex? Anyone? Artex? Bad news. Bad news for you. Bad news. Thank God I have horse insurance. Anyway, here's our final four. Uh, It is Who Framed Roger Rabbit versus Gremlins and Goonies versus The NeverEnding Story. Um, I always like to take a step back and be like, oh, is this the final four that I anticipated? Not even remotely close <laughs> not even within the realm of possibility but that's it's the 80s anything can happen ronald reagan became the president um okay so let's jump into this who framed roger rabbit versus gremlins i'm gonna go around the horn i'm gonna start with bob i can't imagine where you're gonna vote here i'm picking gremlins okay it's shocking shocking mm-hmm. um brendan gremlins uh, all the way jim um, it, it's funny. I think, uh, I haven't shown my kids Roger Rabbit, but I still think that's more of an eighties for me. Um, so I'm going to go with Roger Rabbit. Kate. Roger Rabbit exploded into my brain at a tender age. I was, I was so enchanted with it. I did not see gremlins until I was in my twenties. So Roger Rabbit is my eighties movie, but I think I'm going to give it to Gremlins because I feel like Roger Rabbit is a little bit more of a four quadrant Mm -hmm. movie Mm -hmm. and Gremlins feels a little more like it was like, this is a movie. It's still kind of like soft four quadrant, but it was like, it's a cartoon, Mm -hmm. right? It's a horror cartoon. Are Um, you remembering Gremlins 2? That's a cartoon. Oh, I love Gremlins. <laughs> that too. is that is absolutely. Yeah, I love Gremlins too. Um, um, it's just so the, the people who may yeah. not understand what you're talking about. Can you explain what a four quadrant movie is? Uh, four quadrant movie. I don't know what the quadrants are, but they're sort of like the olds like it, the youngs like it, the like whatever. What what are the four quadrants? The teens Do we know like it. It's basically. I actually don't know myself, but it is basically right? like it's children, <laughs> teens, adults, and elderly. I think, or at least the idea that it's a film that would play to all ages. All interests at any so time. So in 80s parlance, it's the Ferris Bueller of films. All the kids love him. We weirdos. <laughs> I think it's the jocks, the losers. They think he's a righteous dude. Um, oh, 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 are you ready? Here are the four quadrants. Male and female over and under 25. Damn. Well, that's less exciting. Hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So do you, I'm sorry to recap. Which one did you go with here? You uh, Gremlins. Okay. Um, Bren, did I get your vote yet? Uh, yes, I'm in for Gremlins. Jim? Um, I'll stick with Roger Rabbit, even though it's going to go down. I may be with you on this one, Jim. Um, I honestly cannot remember how I voted on this originally. I think I was very much on the Gremlins train when we were doing it because Bren had these really persuasive arguments, including but not limited to the fact that his family, whom I love, is is financially mm-hmm. dependent upon I mean, yeah, If you <laughs> want to hurt the brand that's paying for my children's food, sure. Right. No, vote, yeah, vote for Roger Rabbit. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Here's updated content. Maybe yeah. uh, it'll get canceled by HBO Max. Oh, mm. God. Way too close. Way too close. Only because you said it, it's okay. Rare circle. Rare circle around Here's my only, I think the thing that I have going for Roger Rabbit, and I'm fine if it goes down here, is that um, from a cartoon experience, there was nothing else like it, and there has never been anything else like it, in that it brought together Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse all in one like that is huge it's massive yeah. that was huge it was like and it was yeah. like a cultural moment 
Mm -hmm. But does that make it a definitive 80s movie? I think one of the arguments we had previously was like the the actually the the references that are in Roger Rabbit are more 1950s and earlier than they are 80s. It's not real. There's nothing about it that no. is singularly 80s. It's a post-war film, really. Yeah. Yeah. And there are no children except for the baby, who is <laughs> arguably not a child. Not a child. Whereas Gremlins, I mean, I guess it doesn't have kids. I guess is Gizmo kind of a kid? Maybe, but I was going to say I still think the whole structure. It, Corey Feldman, and it is structured as a kids' yeah. film because it is structured as a boy and his dog movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay, I'm fine with it. So Gremlins does advance <laughs> to the final two. I just need to know: was Flight was Flight of the Navigator a four quadrant film? No, mm. no, no don't give movie. a shit about that film. Just, just, just want, we just want to be sure. Okay. <laughs> no reason. Yeah. I'm gonna type. I'm gonna type the question into Google and see what they tell me. What flight? No. Of the it's so weird. Google wrote back, "What is flight, what of, is the flight of the navigator?" <laughs> exactly. I don't know her. It's just the Mariah Carey gift. <laughs> Jessica Parker is rolling in her grave right now. <laughs> All right. So that means Gremlins advances to final to Goonies versus Never Ending Story. This one is hard. And I do just distinctly remember the first time we did this, we did we went around and I was like, okay, that's it. The winner is blank. And you're like, no, it's not. That was, that was final four. I was like, oh shit, because this is a final two matchup. This is a final two matchup, not a final four matchup. Um, I'm going to start but the back of the order this time. Kate, where are you on this one? I have to give it to Goonies. Um, and I know that one of the arguments that uh, was made previously, even though it was um, like a month and a half ago, is that Goonies is, it has sort of all of the like hallmarks, kids on bikes. You have Columbus, you have Richard Donner, you have Steven Spielberg. You have some titans of like big tentpole 80s culture making. Um, you have stars, child actors from the 80s, uh, um, Sean Astin, uh Corey. Corey Feldman, uh, uh, Brand Walsh. What's uh, his Josh name? Brolin. Thanos. <laughs> Thank you. And Martha Plimpton oh, and um, like uh, Kehu Kwan, which I may be pronouncing his name incorrectly and I apologize, but just like real like 80s kid superstars, yeah. sort of. Um, and you have to have seen that movie as a kid in the eighties to fully appreciate and love it. Uh, so I just think that it, it exemplifies a type of commercial filmmaking. It exemplifies a type of kind of, you know, screw the like fucking rich people who want it. All this land is for condos. <laughs> I, I, it, foreclosure is a definite, right? Like it has that to it too. It's just such a product of the eighties. And, you know, I, I think the reason that you would never want to reboot it now is like, childhood is different mm-hmm. now right like it would be a different movie um anyway the goonies and that i love the never ending story with my whole heart but the goonies is the kids mm-hmm. movie yeah. jim i can't deny how much y'all love the goonies as well as my wife and a whole bunch of other people <laughs> i think i have to vote for that one but do you love it and i, I genuinely want to well, know i was i was late to it i was um mm-hmm. i yeah. think I think I just didn't grow up with it, but I I can, in terms of it being an 80s movie that's iconic, absolutely. Do your kids like Um, it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They love it. And then, yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's it's definitely the adventure of it is a lot of fun. And uh, I've grown to love it myself, too. But I mean, 
I know where Bob's going to vote. Is what I have to say about that. <laughs> you don't. You, you might not know that. That's true. Brendan, Brendan have, have your kids watched Coonies? I, I haven't know. shown them it yet. Um, I think. Yeah, I don't. Not sure why. Actually, I sometimes mm. adventure stuff with real people. Like it's there's a higher tolerance usually for animated. So although again, mm. Gremlins has gone mm. over well. There's been a few things now, so I think we might be ready to go into that. Because um, I would think. Yeah, I'm trying to think age wise. I was I think just a year older than them when it was in theaters and I saw it. So yeah, right in that same range. Yeah, I saw it. How uh, old six. are your kids? Six. Yeah, I saw it around like yeah. six or seven. And there's like some scary skeleton sure. stuff and yeah. Carol, but like actually the opening is yeah. the thing I think that makes me most concerned on showing it to them. The mm-hmm. where he like yeah, fake, the fake hanging. Himself. Yeah, yeah. like once you get past mm-hmm. that, I'm even tempted like maybe just start after that and they, that could be a fun surprise for them later in life. That I mean, that's how it opens. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. You really think I'd enough. be stupid yeah. enough to kill myself? I do myself. love his shrug. Schmuck. His yeah. shrug, uh, Robert yeah. Davi's shrug is great. Uh, I don't want to rob my there, kids of that. There is the corpse in the f- ice cream freezer as right. well. Let's yeah, not yeah. forget that. It's a, it's a- <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, so I was just curious because I know yeah. my niece and nephew also, when they were on that age, also loved the movie. Who And they like they have no interest in anything from the 1980s, but they still love the movie. Um, <laughs> so that's two for Goonies. Bren, where are you? Uh, I'm actually with Goonies also, and it goes back to um, it, it's the weird thing we've used against a bunch of things that I love, but I'm just going to go again. The timelessness, like never-ending story, you could have made maybe not the practical effects and the look and the awesome song. That's very tied to the 80s, but the story itself could exist anytime. Going back to, again, Goonies could only exist in the 80s, like just that brand of kid adventure. Uh, so I'm going to go Goonies just for exemplifying what an 80s kids movie is. Bob? I feel like I'm babysitting, but I'm not getting paid. (laughs) Um, So two two movies that I absolutely love. And if I were to pick a personal preference to this pairing, again, it's a final two, right? That's really what this, in in my mind, it should have been. If I was going to pick a personal preference film, as much as I love Goonies, I'm going to watch The NeverEnding Story before I ever watch The Goonies. I watch them both probably, you know, several times a year, but it's probably never, I just watched NeverEnding Story the other night. when I go to bed, like I'll just, I'll just put it on. Um, and so it's, they're both really important films and they're very similar to me in a lot of ways that they're both children having kind of like big fun adventures that you only wish you could have as a child. Right. Um, but you know, the Goonies is a little bit more grounded in reality, um, to, to, to that point. Um, I think that to the point Kate made earlier, and I think I made it the first time around too, the never ending story is not talking down to kids in any way. I mean, you have mm-hmm. Rockbiter with that, with those great moments of, of just like, they were such big, strong hands, right? Um, good rock just biter, like, by the way. What's that? I said good rock biter impression, mm-hmm. by the way. Oh, yeah. I do a good rock biter too. I also do a good Wallace Shawn, apparently, if you listen to the best to the best clueless episode. Um, but can you do can you do Wallace Shawn as ooh, the rock No, I can't. <laughs> Let me work on that. I'll come back next season. Um, but it doesn't talk down to kids. It it introduces kids to a fantasy adventure. There's just there's just for me on a personal level, like the the otherworldly beyond fantasy like that sort of stuff what is what speaks to me but i think that goonies is that film that is that knee jerk for everybody who for a lot of people let's say that will say well, what's what's like the best 80s kids film people probably knee jerk to goonies pretty easily because it sticks in their brains so well um 
I also was thinking as we were going through these conversations, Jim brought up a point with regards to his kids seeing Goonies. And I was part of that experience of being able to <laughs> see Goonies with his children. Mm. And that was the movie I wanted to show them first before Never Ending Story. Right. I didn't. That I haven't thought to myself, oh, I need to show them Never Ending Story, because I think it's more of a personal preference to me than me saying that everybody's going to love this. Although, Jim, can I show the kids Never Ending Story at some point? <laughs> I, I, show, I showed them the trailer recently, and they're like, yeah, that's okay. Uh, okay, we have a problem. Um, <laughs> I need to talk to them about that. <laughs> so, um, I'm, long story short, I'm picking Goonies for this. But also, don't forget that Never Ending Story begins with the Artax stuff, and it is really hard for kids to watch now. Yeah. Like, we were a hardier stock. We mm-hmm. were like programmed to understand that life is terrible and you will die. Mm-hmm. And I Life's feel like not fair. Kids, they're like, no, I'm not down with that. Like, mm-hmm. I- I'm actually like, you know, it's a social justice thing. Justice for our tax is what I'm trying to say. Um, <laughs> but okay, so that's a four for Goonies. I'm going to make it a five for Goonies. I absolutely adore the never ending story. It is to me right up there, probably the most successful child fantasy film I've ever seen. Um, mm-hmm. And there were some great fantasy films in the eighties. There really were. Um, I, I could say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, Brandon, if, if they could do it now and have mm-hmm. it be as iconic as it was, they probably would, do a successful job at it just kind of like that you know just as successful as the harry potter films are Mm -hmm. um but i think i don't know i I don't know as though it would imprint as as well if they Mm -hmm. made it today because i think it's more about like grinding out the franchise type of stuff today than versus making these the wolfgang peterson clearly was passionate about making this yeah. project. Had a, had a yeah. Yes, correct, yeah. right? Yeah. And it was a vision for children. And I don't know though, as though people really do that anymore. Well, they and do, but as... on a tenth of the budget or internationally. Yep. <laughs> true. Yeah, and true. You would not get practical effects now for sure. And yeah. I think, and that is a quintessential eighties thing, the practical effects. Yeah. And they yeah. are amazing in this movie and a lot of other movies. Sloth is great, right? Yeah. Like oh my God, sloth. Yeah. yeah. All of labyrinth. Yeah, no, it's yeah. yeah. Yep. No, you don't, you see those few and far between again, there's definitely people making them. I feel like there are two very wonderful, uh, although I guess they're leading a little bit more Amblin. It's like of all places, Netflix tends to put out one or two movies a year that are like really great. Like, Oh my God, this is like a perfect, kids family movie uh that at least kind of aspires to that range but they're all made for a tenth of the budget and have much more of a i don't know it's the vibe is right but it's not going to have the scale of never-ending story yeah and by skip it's a scale question right the scale of that film and and it's about it's about creative experience right like narrative encounters with yeah. stories yeah yeah <laughs> that's the one just, i will say yeah. that comes closest uh, i highly recommend night books on Netflix, if you've seen it with Kristen mm. Ritter and otherwise all kids, um, it is far and away the closest I've seen to like a labyrinth or again, m- close. It reminds me more of labyrinth, uh, cool. the never ending story, but totally in that kind of eighties vein, uh, super fun. I recommend it, especially for like kids. If your kids are like, probably, like probably ages eight and up, it's like a great kind of like entryway again into like something like a Halloween movie of sorts for that age. Cool. That sounds yeah. cool. That's another good episode we should do, fun. which is like best like kids films on Netflix, like yeah. original. Mm. So someone put that in the ideas channel in our discord, <laughs> but that gives us a final two of gremlins versus the Goonies. Uh, and so let's go around the horn. We're going to start with Bob. Who are you voting for? 
I think at the end here, it's going to be the Goonies um, because it's it's not the horror movie and it's the adventure you could have. Mm hmm. While you were running away from the mob family. Yeah. Follow <laughs> yeah. them size fives. Follow them size fives. Uh, Bren, where are you? Um, I'm going to take my quick little moment just on, I'm so happy that it actually, because <clears throat> I do think the final two is different last time, so I'm glad it came <laughs> down to this. Because uh, I think, yeah, it's, Amblin, for me, it's Amblin is 80s. Like, they made the best kids' movies. I don't think I said, I think this was in the part that got lost, but something I just wanted to say again is what I love about 80s uh, Amblin kids' movies is it's a kids' world with adult stakes. Like, these really mm. were just like, it's a very specific vibe that so rarely is captured this well. Um, so, yeah, to me, 80s has to be Amblin. And these two are, I could not be happier with this being the final two. Um, as much as, look, Gremlins and Goonies were probably two of my most rented videos of the 80s. As much as I don't want to take away anything from, again, the brand that employs me, uh, Goonies. I do think mm -hmm. Goonies is still, like you just said, Bob, it really is. Um, yeah, that's the ever, the universal adventure in Goonies. Uh, mm -hmm. Also, by the way, love that both films uh, are both kind of against uh, capitalism and all the other 80s greed uh -huh. that you see in so many other movies. Yeah, yep, yeah. So, yep. Raise those kids right. Isn't it funny, though, that, like, kids like us who grew up in the 80s are now dealing with, like, our parents are the ones who are now, like, the ones draining <laughs> our resources? Like, look Like, did they yep. not get the memo while they were watching these movies? Anyway, that's a different podcast. Jim. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think also thinking about these two films with each other, uh, as you started, Eric, talking about uh, kind of not problematic, but, like, some some difficult things for kids to swallow we got gremlins and goonies both have a lot of those elements there um as mm -hmm. many of these other films do too first of all i want to say i kind of want to vote for gremlins because I, I feel really bad about that hbo max joke i made brendan <laughs> <laughs> you can just pay me back by canceling any subscription you know to discovery like anybody oh, else's it doesn't even have to be your own okay sounds I good canceled mine there yeah. you go <laughs> <laughs> um but i yeah i think i i like the argument the idea that uh goonies is like an adventure that a kid could ha have it's aspirational of like what a kid thinks it might be like and it kind of mm -hmm. fits that that what an 80s kid was thinking at that time of like oh yeah that's how that's what reality is like <laughs> um so i think that's a good that's good fit so the goonies is my vote and kate goonies never say die <laughs> Goonies never say die. So that is a clean Simple. sweep. There you have it, folks. Our pick for the best 1980s children's film is The Goonies. Do you agree? Do you think we need to write up Troy's bucket? Tell us how you really feel by leaving a comment on this episode at greatpopculturedebate.com or find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. While you're there, make sure you subscribe and follow the podcast so you can hear more about the debates coming up, vote in open polls, and even decide which topics we tackle next. I want to say thank you to my panel. It's still our time down here. And thank you for listening. If you loved what you heard, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where you can get even more exclusive content and you get episodes a whole day early. We hope you have a good one. And remember, everyone is entitled to their wrong opinions. Kids suck. <laughs>
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.